Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is Locked On Coyotes, your longest-running daily Arizona Coyotes podcast. I'm your host, Robin Leon. You're alongside Matthew Jacobson. I want to thank mm-hmm. everyone for making this show your first listen every day. We are free and available everywhere you get your podcasts. We got a great episode today. We're talking a little bit about Bill Armstrong. We had a little bit of, you know, you know, a little bit off. But you know, since we're back, we're going to get to talk about some Bill Armstrong because it's exciting. I might not be too religious myself, but Robin, have you heard the good news? Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, one Bill Armstrong? Bill the Builder! One more time! Bill! 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 Before I, it is almost midnight as we're recording, so people are going to be very mad at me in the household. But let's let's talk about one Billiam J. Armstrong, because this man has completely single-handedly taken this organization from a... a rotten corpse and and he he planted a brand new seed and, and what we're seeing is a beautiful uh beautiful rose coming out of it and that rose will will blossom when it's time for the stanley cup and we get him for more years and officially per craig morgan it goes up until the 2028 29 season that is the final year of his contract we have locked up bill the builder for the rest of our roaring 20s and we don't have to we, we don't have to deal with this until 2029, but 2030. So um, when I'm probably dead of old age is when we have to think about Bill the Builder. And and this is a great day. Oh my god, I I am. Oh my gosh darn. Oh my gall dang. I am not. Ah, I. I but we we are so out of out of out of out of sorts. All right, I just wanna I just wanna want to pray and, and sing hymns and, and and get down on it right now like let's just let's just let's praise bill right now oh absolutely it's the perfect time to do it um and we're gonna do some um, we might draw you know comparisons to other general managers of the coyotes have had a little bit later in the show but let's start just overall like so far in just these first couple of years under bill armstrong the accomplishments he's already made it just feels like a breath of fresh air you know, I feel like for a rebuilding, like a like as a rebuilding team, he laid out the expectations, the initial expectations immediately. No mm-hmm. dancing around it. He pretty much laid it. You know, you know, set it straight in everyone's faces. We're rebuilding, um, and this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to be. Um, we're going to focus on draft capital, and he stuck to his word. And he executed it pretty darn well so far. Yeah, straight up, every single thing this man has, has tried to do. Um, well, let's go down the list. First and foremost, acquiring King Louis. That's how you start a rebuild. You get the king himself, Louis Erickson, on the roster. That's a big check right there. Uh, you went from a, a draft where you had no capital to Dylan Gunther. And what you traded, yes, you lost Connor Garland. I still was my favorite player on the team, but we have like two more Connor Garlands essentially with Gunther and Michelli in different aspects of his game. So we're fine. We, we got it. 
and all we had to do is trade you a very heavily used Olaf Reckman Larson, who was bought out, by the way. Uh, just just, to, just to, one more time to the people that got mad at me for saying don't resign Ollie. Literally had to, they, they had to pay us, right? They had to pay us for that contract and then bought him out because there was no value. I probably mis, misworded that, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Worthless contract, terrible contract, great human being, terrible contract. You managed to move an unmovable contract in hockey. That was a great finessing, all right? Dylan Gunther, may we, may we praise his name. We're going to stick with that imagery for the rest of the episode. May we, may we praise his name, Dylan Gunther, and moving forward with us. Then they draft the the the, the king has returned. You get Joshua Doan in this system. You get guys like Logan Cooley. Uh, the, let me just the, – the best prospect in the world. <laughs> That's an exact quote. I'm allowed to use it. The best prospect in the world, Logan Cooley. Yeah, and and not only that is bringing in, I think the smartest the smartest thing that Bill Armstrong has done is in terms of later round draft picks is drafting over agers mm-hmm. so they can so to kickstart a rebuild a little bit quicker because I mean, they're not you're getting <laughs> yeah you JJ Moe's an example because you knew he was going to be ready a little bit sooner he was able to going to be able to get his reps he definitely he started it in Tucson and he looked mm-hmm. great enough so that he's just, all right we're just, we're just going to bring you straight up here to um to the Coyotes because you're playing well enough and you're and we think you're ready mm-hmm. that's the benefit about you know people overlook overages because like oh they weren't good enough when they're 18 they're not gonna be good like no but that's not how it works they actually get better because they, they realize it or whatever it was it it works it just works it's nice it's, it it really benefited the coyotes um to be able to do that and mm-hmm. they're going to be a better team um they slowly are progressively becoming a better team because of that they don't have to wait three to five years for all their prospects to develop. Some of them are already there. Yeah, and the thing with overagers is, yeah, sometimes they weren't good enough. Or they hadn't developed enough yet. And now they've had enough time to cook in the oven. They have enough time. Hey, I have to fix this element of my game or I will not be drafted. And Moser, like like you said, Start off in the AHL. He it was basically an AHL cup of coffee. It was a glorified it's glorified coffee date. And then now nah, you're an NHLer. And now uh, his, his new contract next year might make us a, a little sad with the cap hit. But he, he's a phenomenal defender. He still still has number one defensive pairing upside. And even if he just maintains his top four status, I'm sorry, he, that was a second round asset. You got a consistent top four defenseman. Yeah, no. Then you bring in the best coach this franchise has ever seen. I think I'm ready to say that. Tippett was phenomenal for the time. He was phenomenal for that roster, that point in time we were in, having the veterans. Great job. Love Dave Tippett. He is number two for me. But what Andre Turnier has managed to do with this roster, all right, one last time, and then I'll put it to rest for a while, uh, Rick Tockett was an offensively oppressive coach, and then you see what this roster could do under better leadership offensively, a player's coach, a coach that knows how to how to get the best out of these younger players, the amount of career years we've seen out of the younger kids we've had. Clayton Keller tied the all-time franchise record with Keith Kachuk at 86 points in a season. 
Like that cannot be understated. Plus the phenomenal work all his assistant coaches have done, and, and the good uh, ideas and job or and, and the and decisions to bring these guys in. Bill Armstrong has done literally everything except for put a playoff team in the Mullet Arena, which he might. We're we're ahead of schedule, and this year is still too early. All right. But, like, I would not be shocked if next year they're a playoff team. I mean, like you moment. said, they'll flirt with it. They'll flirt, they'll flirt with it a little bit this year, but they're not yeah. going to make it. Um, but, yes, you're right. You know, like, I feel like Bill Armstrong has really done the work that he's needed to do. To He set up Andre Torney for success, and Andre, and Andre Torney was able to execute that well. So I feel like mm-hmm. that's what make the dynamic of this, of this front office just work so well right now. And it, it, again, like, and I was, I'll say it like I said earlier in this episode, at the beginning of the episode, it's like a breath of fresh air. And we'll continue that talk of breath of fresh air in just a minute. But first, a quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Then when you think about it, FanDuel's kind of a breath of fresh air. I'm, I'm getting pretty good at these transitions, but football season is about to kick off. It already has, but it's about to kick off. And you have a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. That is right. You did not mishear me. Just pick a team to win the Super Bowl, and every victory this year, you get a bonus bet. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash on. So let's let, let let's let's start doing a little bit of other you know discussion within you know the whole Bill Armstrong thing because he's he has been uh, GM as of uh, as of the time you guys are listening to this uh, for the last three years he was hired um, September sixteenth two thousand twenty uh, so we were practically exactly three years from the date that he was hired as as GM of the Coyotes. Uh, succeeding mm-hmm. technically succeeding Steve Sullivan, who was interim GM after John Chayka just quit. Um, we don't speak about Steve Sullivan on this program uh, when he wasted our our top draft pick that year on a rescinded pick. We, we, we don't give Steve Sullivan credit anymore. We, we don't acknowledge his, his existence on this program anymore. Steve Sullivan was also suspended by the NHL later in the year, but for other <laughs> reasons, I think it, it yes. Um, a lot of different things, um, or, or, or I think just straight up fired. I think, but he, he got canned out of here, and uh, yeah. uh, the Coyotes look look. They needed a win in when PR, you know. and, and drafting a pick you had to rescind because of public pressure doesn't get you that good PR yeah. now, does it? Really quick, what I find interesting is that they're hiring of. Uh, John Ferguson Jr. as their assistant GM to kind of mm-hmm. replace what Steve Sullivan was. Um, it's a nice kind of like full circle, especially since John Ferguson Sr. was the, uh, you know, was the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets 1.0, that, that, which they he, he left before they became the Coyotes. But it's kind of an interesting little tidbit, those that, that want to know a little bit of your hockey history. Um, I always like the the history connections, and somewhere right now, someone is screaming "Nepo baby" because that is 
the appropriate reaction to whatever someone continues. That was so far back. It's like, come on. <laughs> John Ferguson Sr. was general manager of the of the Winnipeg Jets from 1978 until 1988. So like that was ten. Nepo baby. Ah, uh, it's too fresh. He, he should have been right. John Ferguson the third or John Ferguson the fourth. All right, but let's <laughs> let's um let's draw comparisons to the last two general managers, actual true general managers of the Coyotes, um, to kind of like really see you know where the trajectory that Bill Armstrong is on versus the trajectory that the last general managers took the Coyotes. I want to start with Don Maloney because I feel like because he's he, he was around for a longer amount of time. Don't do this to me. I have so much nostalgia for Don. I I, I I will I will stand by this, and not just because he shares a name with my dad. All right, I respect Don Maloney. I, I think he is probably at least in my lifetime the the second uh, the second best GM of uh, this franchise. He he brought a, a team on a shoestring budget, literally no budget. Brought him to the Western Conference Finals. We got three straight years of playoffs. Uh, literally, that that is the equivalent of me living in a studio apartment and hitting a million subs. Like this dude, he delivered with literally no assets, and I respect him. But he also heavily favored trades with like the Rangers and Chicago, are two like the biggest trade partners. And we didn't oh, necessarily yeah. win all of those trades. And there was some questionable drafting. And there actually was some Nepo Baby type drafting uh, under the, the Maloney era. Like, do you remember having both of uh, Samuelson's kids in our system drafting Henrik with like, the 28th overall pick or whatever it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. We remember this. <laughs> it was Robin, do we remember this? <laughs> yeah um if you if any if um you know anyone wants to know don maloney is where, where is he currently? currently with the oh yeah he's the president of hockey operations now at the calgary flames um yep. so um so he's still around in the nhl which is pretty cool you know good for him uh and you're right he did make some great decisions some questionable contract signings um during his final days but um, what were some of his contracts on? That, that sounded so unnecessarily bleak, his final days. His final days <laughs> as general manager. Okay, but like, I, I, <laughs> he's not dead. He might look like a skeleton no, now, not. but he's not dead. <laughs> All right, uh, he he uh, stepped away, was it 2015? 2016. 2016. Uh, he started in the 2008, or is it earlier? Oh, God. Oh, God. Nick has me speaking like that. 2008. Uh, do you have the, the higher date on hand? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, he was hired in uh, 2007. May, right. May 29, 2007. Do, do you want to start with some trades? Because like, even just in 2009, there's a couple really good ones. Let's hear it. Uh, so they got... Lori Korpakowski for Enver Leeson. And as much as I like Enver Leeson, there was a New York Rangers trade, by the way, funny enough. As much as I liked Leeson, he just never really developed here or even after he left. And Corpy was a pretty good role player. They also traded David Hale, who I liked. He's a decent, like, six or seven defenseman. And Todd Fedoric, who 98% of you forgot he played for us, for Redeem Verbata to reacquire him in 2009. 
the original trade for Verbi, I think it was a couple of years back. I, I have a list right here. Show me the original Verbi trade. It was <laughs> August 11, 2007. It was a one-for-one, one, probably the best trade in Coyotes history. Redeem Verbata for Kevin Adams. I liked Kevin Adams. Do you remember who the hell Kevin Adams is? Do you remember him being on this roster? Like, tell me the truth. <laughs> no, I don't. I cannot recall. Like, there was just there was some really solid trading here. There's there's some bad ones. There's some mediocre ones. Uh, they moved on from Tyson Nash in a pick to get Michael Telquist, who was a serviceable backup for a while. They moved on from Paul Mara in a third for a fourth, and Nick Boynton, who I was a really big fan of. Uh, I wanted to go back up here. The the waiver claim for for Bridge Golub obviously was massive. Uh, you did get some value at least for, for Mueller, but maybe not as much as you would have wanted. They traded on Matt Jones, who was one of my favorite players because he wore the number five and we share initials, uh, and a couple of lower picks for Lee Stepniak, who was a very serviceable, solid role player for this team. He even had I think a a twenty goal season or two under his belt for this team. He was pretty good. Uh, let's see. They they got Damon Lankow to trade back <laughs> to get rid of Stepniak because I don't think he was going to resign. Uh, they acquired McCulloch for kind of nothing <laughs> to, to an extent from the the Wild, but I don't remember if that was quite Maloney's tenure. And just there was his tenure was full of a lot of trades that he, he pulled at, solid players out of nothing. I'm looking at a um. An article that was posted, you know, several years ago that, that kind of just takes a look at some of it, some of the highlights, and mm-hmm. um, they were like, "Here are some of the some of the names of players that he drafted." Mm-hmm. He drafted Connor Murphy, Brandon Gormley, Oliver Ekman Larson, um, Mark Vicenton, Brandon Perlini, Max Domi, Henrik Samuelson, and Mikhail Bodker. There's a lot of hit and miss there. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, a lot, lot of hit and miss. There's a lot, a lot of hit and miss. miss. I think his trades were better than his drafts. Um, also, uh, Christian Dvorak. Christian Dvorak, I believe, was a uh, was a, uh, a Maloney draft. Oh, was he 2015? I'm looking at it right now. Uh, no, he was a 2014. Yeah, he was. They also drafted uh, McKin- Ryan McKinnis in front of him and then Perlini in front of him. But they also, to be fair, uh, Bunting in the fourth round, Dyson Mayo in the fifth, who he played more games than Ryan McGinnis at the NHL level. you got to give him some credit. Uh, Laura Dauphin was an okay pick, maybe a little high. Uh, Connor Clifton's right. played 230 games. I don't think he ever played a single game for the Coyotes. Maxwell Domi wasn't a bad pick. Jordan Martinook in the second wasn't a bad pick. Um I liked Lucas Lessio, but it was very short-lived. Uh, Oscar Lindbergh, Louis Domingue, there, there is some value here. It just kind of feels like he had more Victor Tikhanovs drafted than he had uh, the good aspects of Kyle Turris, let's say. That would make sense. There, I, I this episode's been great. I get to just indulge my my 2008 to or 2007 to about 2013 Coyotes nostalgia. So I'm like, do you remember when Rostislav Kleslo was a Coyote or Kurt Sauer, or do you remember when Peter Mueller played for this team? I remember. Do you remember? All right, 
something that I just almost forgot about. I'm reading another article that was on ESPN. This kind of was like it discusses a lot of things about the Maloney era. This was a little bit, you know, different, but it kind of just gives you an idea of what else happened during that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but this article said Arizona was also embroiled in controversy surrounding the all-star selection of John Scott. <laughs> I, I I am not allowed to comment on this matter. I'm not I'm not allowed to comment on on John Scott. <laughs> All right. Anyways, though, um, so let's let's go ahead though and move on to um, the next because we did a decent t- discussion of Don Maloney. Yeah, one, one, one final thing I'll say about him is, yes, he did win General Manager of the Year Award um, back in 2009, Um He deserved it, by the way. That was all the bankruptcy. He deserved that. Yes. Um, <laughs> but let's follow it by um, fake analytics man, John Chaka. Do you mind editing in some, some, some swears or editing out swears? Because, look, here's the best way to talk about Chaka and, and to be as as – PG as possible. His moves on paper looked really good until they didn't. And I I will stand by this. All right. I stand by because Taylor Hall did elevate Connor Garland, but he didn't elevate the team. I love the mindset behind that trade. If you look back on it, minus, uh, I think it was the Dawson Mercer pick. I forget which pick it was, but the actual players, the best of that bunch was Kevin Ball. And Kevin Ball is kind of like a, a fringe NHLer. Good size, decent player, nothing against Kevin Ball. But Kevin Ball and some stuff for Taylor Hall, not bad. But they couldn't keep the, they couldn't keep the asset, and the asset didn't elevate them in the playoffs, so it ultimately was bad. Getting Phil Kessel, P.O. Joseph, in my opinion, I stand by this, was really like it, that wasn't a big deal. Like he's he's an okay player. I don't think he would have made it here, is what it is. But Kessel did not elevate the team. He might have played well that first year, like meshing with the system, not goal scoring wise, but he meshed pretty well and did help when he wasn't injured and playing through injury. But getting that talent was the right move. Maybe getting him specifically wasn't, and it didn't end up working out. And how many draft picks and trades did that happen where, oh, this should be really good? Oh, this sounds really good. Like, I remember how excited I was for the Kessel trade and for the Taylor Hall trade. I say, I I was in the kitchen, the kitchen right over there, this house, yelling with, with Todd, Todd, Taylor Hall's a coyote. Like, I was excited, and he did elevate Garland, but not the team. Like, so many of these moves looked good until they didn't. And he's a snake oil salesman, and it's hard to get rid of that context now because we know literally the only thing that worked out was the Keller contract because everything else didn't in one way or another. Chikrin, one of, good player. One the contract, he couldn't play. <laughs> one of John Chikrin's last moves, um, we mentioned this name earlier, and I want to, mm-hmm. and we'll get, um, so we kind of give, get, get you there, um, that scratches some people's heads based off what ended up happening later, was the eight-year contract signed to Oliver Ekman Larson, um, which... If there was rumors that were around that time that Oliver Ekman Larson already wanted out, he signed him to an eight-year deal, and it's the question's still there. It's like, oh, what do you you already went out, and it just was kept circulating, and look, it ended up becoming a mess. Alice Goligoski, 
a five-year contract. If that was a three-year contract, you would have been out from under it. You would have had the cap space because Goligoski only had a couple of good years here. The Clayton um, Keller contract at the time was questionable. At the time, and, and even for the first what year or two, still questionable. Yeah. Because he needed to prove it. And I get the criticisms, but that one at least justified itself later. Chikrin, they signed him before he played his first game of that 18-19 season. They were in Detroit. He signed the contract. The dude has, hasn't has been able to play very much on it. He's a good player when he plays, but he hasn't been able to play. And now he's gone because they had to get out from under it. Uh, Derek Stepan, they wanted a first-line you know, a, a first line center. He's always been a, a second-line center at best. Auntie Ranta had phenomenal stretches and good overall numbers, but could not stay healthy. This has been a consistent trend with Chico looking at all of his moves. They look or sound good for a period of time before the bottom falls out. And it's just, he's a snake oil salesman. He, he was not a good GM. All these moves should have been good. But they weren't, and it should have been. They should have been good because of the claim that it's a lot of the decisions were based off of analytics. But mm -hmm. it's funny because the analytics community had disowned John Chaka. Yeah, they hate John Chaka. <laughs> even they say he wasn't good. he wasn't analytics, and like even people that don't really understand analytics are like, yeah, he wasn't an analytics guy. <laughs> so it's like when the experts Everyone's, and the layman. Like, don't like, like at, yeah. at the t like I, I think at the time before that people dismissed that whatever you know some people were like oh is he, what is he gonna do be the be the be the be the moneyball GM of the Arizona and like for the years like, like. <laughs> it, 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 he spent too much to be an analytics guy like like I said Goligoski that that contract angers me because he signed it I think that he signed it at thirty one or the season started at thirty one you do not sign a thirty one year old defenseman. For a, to a five-year contract. I will stand by. I don't care what defenseman it is. Look how good Shea Weber was for as long as he was, and that contract is still moving on past his playing career. Like, it doesn't matter how good a player is or how good they've been. The bottom will fall out, and locking a guy in his 30s to a five-plus-year contract is stupid. And if they would have had the cap flexibility, you could have tried to keep Taylor Hall. You could have tried to make this move. You could have tried to make that move. And the dude just – it was nice. It was good feeling at the time. Hey, they're spending money. But there was no long-term plan. And as soon as the bottom fell out, the dude jumped off the ship. And we're all looking at it like, we're going to suck for a while. <laughs> we're we're going to be bad for a while after this. The – um, the, I, 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 we're going to be running out of time here in a little bit, but I will say this, you know, the biggest stain that John Chica has on his, on his, um, tenure of the Coyotes is quitting right at, right before the, uh, the bubble in Edmonton. And I have enough. So that the, the Coyotes were so upset by this, that their statement, I have, I, I looked the statement up because I really wanted to read this again because it, it was it was a next level level of upset that you would get out of a public statement from a professional hockey team, but mm -hmm. where it says John Chica has quit as general manager and president of hockey operations of the Arizona Coyotes. The club disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. 
Chaika has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. Like, they legit threw him under the bus saying he just quit. And, like, I, I still hold – just let me give a little bit, little bit of criticism towards Morello because his public comments around that time were, we want him here. We, like, we believe in him. Like, we think he's a good GM. We want him here. And – like, given the, the context and the hindsight, no. And that was kind of why I, I remember being kind of skeptical about Bill Armstrong's hire. It was kind of a, he should be good, but we'll see if I remember correctly. My, was yeah, my reaction. Exactly. And, like, they, they kind of did that to themselves when you think about it. Oh, absolutely. It was just, like, so – there was too much – questioning around it especially because of what you know how you know all the fallout that happened in just a couple months prior mm-hmm. right so it was it was a really a tough situation and so like i feel like the expectations for bill armstrong was set pretty low to start off with um so i think it made it easier that now he's ex- easily exceeded our expectations and then some and now we're just praising him to praising him to lord b because he's been fantastic um, we have Bill the Builder until the 2030s, and I'm happy. I, I'm going to be like 40 by the time, he, by the time he's moving on. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I had a little bit of optimism with Bill Armstrong when he was initially hired, mm-hmm. um, right after the whole Chaka situation, um, because I just heard from the St. Louis Blues organization and some of the people that were around that, that said, hey, he was a really good assistant with Doug, with Doug Armstrong. So, like, mm-hmm. it made And they're so not related, cool. by the way. I thought they were. I'm an idiot. They look nothing alike. They're not related. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. Like, that was a team that put together a Stanley Cup winning St. Louis Blues team. Mm-hmm. Like, that, like, you have to give, you had to give them that credit, right? You had to give them so much credit. And it's nice. So when Bill Armstrong came in, he was like, all right, he's going to help build a Stanley Cup caliber team. Um, it might be from the ground up, but he's going to do it. And again, and I, like I said, I will praise him again as we're running out of time. I'll praise him again for being transparent when he first came in about that. And they stuck to the plan, and I have full faith in him. He, the worst move, the worst move uh, I've, was the Timmins trade. Because the worst move before that was uh, the the pick protection on the Dvorak trade, which would have given the Coyotes first overall, but they got third overall and they got the best player in that draft anyway. It literally didn't matter. Like the worst, the the two worst moves were a player they were going to have to waive anyway, so you get something for them, and oh, they got third instead of first. Oh, oh, Biggie. Really quick on that, I did see a little like a like one of those memes where it said "start bench cut," mm-hmm. Logan Cooley, Yuri Slavkovsky, um, and and uh, Shane Wright. A lot of people who even weren't Coyotes fans said "start Cooley, bench Slavkovsky, cut Wright." I agree. I I, I think Wright. I, I think you bench Wright and cut Slavkovsky because even like Wright's shown a little more at the next level and it's very early it, it probably will change but like as of right now this moment i mean shane uh, wright did so well you know, with the, uh, 23. the the firebirds and the uh and the color mm-hmm. crap i will give him that yeah but anyways do you have any final thought you want to give on before i close bill can have my babies 
<laughs> I will run through a brick wall for that man. I will literally go personally tear down the Glendale Arena so I can bring the stones to wherever they're building the new ones so they have the materials to build this new arena. Well, there we go. That's going to be it for today's episode of the Locked on Coyotes podcast. If you like what you heard, don't forget to leave a review, like, comment, subscribe if you have yet to already. We're available everywhere you get your podcasts, including on YouTube and the Sirius XM radio app. Don't forget to interact with us on social media. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked on Coyotes. And on the app formerly known as Twitter at LO underscore Coyotes. I'm personally at Robin underscore Leonio. Matt Jacobson is at the AZ Sports Guy. Interact with us, ask the question you might have, we might answer right back or on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And don't forget to howl on.